Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining me for another podcast. Uh, One of the things that happens every time I put out a new episode of the podcast is I go back and I look at the nations that the podcast has gone into. That totally amazes me. Uh, How many nations we're now reaching, not only the nations it goes into, uh, but the number of people that are listening to each one of the episodes. And uh, that's just a thrill to me that people are willing to take a leadership journey. And I just want to encourage you, uh, one of my heart's desires is to develop leaders, and especially leaders with a Christian context. And so whether you're in the business arena, you're in the ministry arena, uh, wherever you are, we just want to help begin to build that leadership quotient in your life. Um, hey, if you've never done it, go to my website, uh, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. Uh, there you can sign up for anything. Like I've got uh, several uh, roundtables that will be uh, coming up. I have one in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, if you know anyone in Canada, could you let them know we're going to be up there? The material we're sharing this year, honestly, people have looked at and they've said it's the best we've ever done. And that's come from so many people that uh, I just love and admire. So I just want to encourage you, you're in that area. Then we're doing one in the Pittsburgh Concord area of California, which is near Oakland. If you're up that way, could you just go and sign up for that? And then we're doing one in Grand Rapids, Michigan in the middle of June. And we'd love to have you be involved. Uh, We also have all of my books and resources there and the flash drive, which helps so many people just gather some content when they're communicating uh, that has basically over 40 lessons that uh, with outlines that I think could help people. But that being said, uh, I want to deal with a question I get asked frequently. When I do roundtables, I'm asked this question, what would you say to a young leader? And sometimes it's a young leader asking me. Sometimes it's an individual who has young leaders around them. But what would you say to a young leader? And I always look at my life and I'll give them a couple of things that were helpful to me. But I wanted to maybe look at that in a a deeper way, in a more profound way. And as I was thinking about this, it hit me. In the book of Proverbs, there are eight verses that use the same Hebrew word to describe happy and blessed. It's very similar to uh, the Sermon on the Mount where they have the Beatitudes. Uh, Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed. Happy is the man. Happy. Because the same word blessed and happy are synonymous in the Greek in that verse and the ones we're going to give you today. Now, I like to call these eight verses uh, the Proverbs Beatitudes. Now, unlike Matthew, uh, where they're consolidated together, these are weaved throughout the book of Proverbs. Now, if you remember how Proverbs uh, began, it started as Solomon is remembering the teaching that his dad gave him on just being able to function in high capacity as an individual and as a leader. And so I want to walk you through the eight statements on being blessed and being happy in the book of Proverbs. The first one's in Proverbs 3, verse 13. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. 
Um, again, this is Solomon listening to his dad as a young leader, and now he's consolidating these thoughts together. But it starts, happy is the man who finds wisdom. The first thing that I would say to any young leader is this, is realize you don't know everything you need to know. You don't know everything you need to know. And what this verse is saying, it says a person who's going to be blessed in their leadership journey, a person who's going to be happy in that leadership journey is a man who finds wisdom. He finds wisdom. Um, In life, wisdom is something that you've got to search for. And I say that to you because uh, most people never find wisdom because they're not looking for it. And that's a sad statement. But most people, they want to be wise, but they're not looking for wisdom. They're all right with being wise, but they're not looking for wisdom. And so in here, it talks about someone who finds. Now, let's just make this relevant to today. I don't know about you, but I have a gift of losing my car keys. I have a gift of losing my cell phone. And when I misplace my keys or I misplace my cell phone and I have to find, you know what that means? That means everything that I want to do stops so I can go look. Everything in the schedule just sort of pauses so I can go. I began to uh, ask people to help me, my wife, my kids. Hey, did you see me do something with this? And so finding isn't a passive word. It's an active word because if you've ever lost something and you're trying to find it, it puts you in an active state. So the first thing he says is happy is the person who is actively pursuing wisdom. And most people never find wisdom because they're not looking for it. And other people who are looking for it, they don't find wisdom because they don't know what it looks like. And see, most people don't understand that wisdom is disguised. And what wisdom is disguised as is it is disguised as discipline. See, most people want wisdom but they don't want discipline. But if you're going to find wisdom, then you're going to have to have discipline. In fact, in Proverbs chapter one and verse two, it talks about the instruction of wisdom. And that word instruction is the word discipline. It says the discipline of wisdom. See, if you're going to find wisdom, then you're going to have to be discipline to be able to do certain things repetitively so wisdom can come to you. If you're going to find wisdom, you have to receive the instruction, the discipline of wisdom. And most people want to see wisdom as a gift that you receive rather than a discipline that you develop. And so the first thing is I'd say, hey, just understand in your leadership journey, uh, you don't know everything that you need to know, but that's all right. If you have the discipline to find wisdom, then you're going to be all right. If I can put it to you this way, wisdom has to be an active pursuit. Seldom will it ever be found by accident. It is an active pursuit and seldom is it going to be fine. And if I could put it to you this way, uh, all life is, is being in a library. Imagine you walk into one of the great libraries, the Library of Congress, uh, the 
New York City library, great libraries, and you walk in and you just sit there. What I found is, is life is just like those libraries. The problem is there are people who will sit in the library, but they never pull out a book. And the person who finds wisdom is the one who says, I'm not only in the library, but I'm willing to pull out a book and do some searching. So the first thing, realize you don't know everything you need to know, but that's all right, because here's the thing. You can find wisdom, but it's a search. It's a discipline. The next one is found in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. And what I would say to a young person is it's one thing to find wisdom. It's another thing to keep wisdom. And what Proverbs is saying is once you find it, you need to live it. So once you find it, you need to live it. It's not just learning a truth. It is applying the truth. See, the difference between the phrase, that's smart and you're wise, is whether you do it every day. It's whether you do it every day. Because what wisdom does is wisdom bridges the gap between knowing and doing. And so God asks us not only to learn it, but God asks us to live it, that we have to be people who are willing to live what we learned. And so the first thing, if you're young, realize you don't know everything you need to know, but you can find it. The second thing is, is that once you've learned it, live it. And so he's beginning to set up the sequences of how wisdom comes, what a young leader needs to know. The next one is found in Proverbs 8 and verse 34. It says, blessed, happy is the man who listens to me, talking about wisdom, watching daily at my gates, watching at the post of my doors. And what this says is, is that life is a classroom. Learn everywhere you can from everyone you can. See, it's real interesting, uh, the phrases that are used here. It says, listen to me. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says this. It says, wisdom cries aloud. It cries aloud in the chief places, in the concourses of the city. And what it's saying is, is that wisdom's not confined just to one location. It's everywhere. And because it's everywhere, you have opportunities to live and learn everywhere from everyone. And then it puts it this way. It says one of the ways that you get wisdom is daily. See, wisdom is an an occasional search. It is something that you do every day. As I like to put it, you need to read every day. You need to listen every day. You need to be around certain people every day because if you read every day, if you listen every day, if you're around certain people every day, and if you will write every day, then what that does is that puts you in a place that you're availing yourself to the wisdom that's around you. Now, this, it says specific places you need to hang out. It says at the gates. Now, 
And Bible times, if you hung out at the gates, that's where business was conducted. That's where uh, contracts were executed. That's where bargains and uh, relationships were developed. So what he's saying is, is that there are places where life is happening Make sure that you're in the center of it. Make sure that where business is being conducted, make sure that where contracts are being executed, make sure that where the deals are occurring, that you put yourself there. And you may not be one of the deal makers, but every time a deal is made, you can learn from it. And then he turns around and he says doors. Now, here the doors are talking about home. So what it's saying is you can learn away from home and you can learn at home, that every location is a learning opportunity, that it's a place that you can learn. So three Proverbs, realize that you don't know everything you need to know. Once you learn it, live it, and remember everywhere is a classroom to you. You can learn when you're away, you can learn when you're at home, but you have to make yourself a student on a regular basis. If I can put it this way, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room because people who are wise put themselves in rooms where they're not the smartest person. It's the only way that you can learn. I have the privilege of being around people who are way smarter than me, who get it, who know it, and they are more profound in their journey of wisdom. But here's the thing that I would tell you. When I go in those rooms, I walk away better. But when you're the smartest person in the room, everyone's going to want to listen to you. When you're not the smartest person in the room, you listen to everyone else. And that, that creates a learning opportunity. The next one is in Proverbs 14 and verse 21. It says, he that despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. What does this mean? Smart people are generous. See, smart people understand that one of the smartest things you ever do is you give your life away. You don't hold your life. You give your life. You don't hold tightly, you hold loosely. Because one of the attributes of wisdom is that wisdom gives. See, I tend to be prolific when it comes to writing down thoughts. But I'll literally write down things and I'll call a friend of mine who has a larger platform and I'll give that thought away. I'll give lessons away. Why? Because if God's blessed you with something, it's so you can be a blessing with that. And here's what this says. It says that generosity is the natural outgrowth of wisdom. And whenever someone with wisdom becomes stingy with what they've been blessed with, then what's going to happen is they're going to shut down what's going to happen next. Wisdom always helps others. And giving and generosity are the quickest ways to be happy. Why? Because Paul quotes our Lord and Savior, you're happier to give than receive. It is so much fun to be in a giving cycle where you give and you give and you give and you just let something go. 
I was just at a store the other day and they were doing one of those marketing tricks where if you buy a certain amount, you get a coupon. But the thing about the coupon is to get you to come again. And uh, literally, um, I'd bought everything I knew, needed. I wasn't going to come back. But there was a man who was walking up to check out. And I looked and I gave him the coupon. And it was just a small thing. I had this coupon for a second before I gave it away. And I said, hey, I'm not going to be able to use this. You take this. The cashier looked and said, wow, that is amazing to watch that. Why? Because generous people always stand out. It was just a small act. I remember John Maxwell telling a story. It's one of those profound stories to me. Uh, He talked about how that in 2008, he had set up to have a meeting uh, where he was going to meet with this high-profile business individual. Now, this business individual was worth billions of dollars. But those of you who can think back to 2008, around August of that year, the stock market fell 776.67% points, I believe. And um, percentage-wise, that was a massive loss of money. Well, he had scheduled this uh, lunch with this guy before this had ever happened. And he thought, this guy's probably going to want to cancel this, but the guy didn't. And not only did he not cancel cancel it, but he was in a position where John was trying to be nice and he just wouldn't even talk about what was going on. And the guy finally looked at him and said, John, do you want to ask me about my day? And he said, well, I didn't want it to uh, do anything that would cause you a problem. And so I just didn't uh, want to ask the question. And the guy said, well, why don't you ask me? He said, okay, how'd your day go? He said, I lost a billion dollars today in the stock market. We're not talking about million. We're talking about billion. Now, can I be honest with you? I don't know anyone who can lose a billion dollars because I don't know anyone who has a billion dollars. But John looked at this guy and he said, you just lost a billion dollars. Here's my second question. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? And the guy looked at John and he said, I would have given more to God because whatever you give to God, you can't lose. Wow. Profound. See, what you give, you can't lose. It's only what you hold on to. You try to leverage that you can lose. So what would I say to a young person? Find every way you can give your time, talent, and treasure. Because when you're giving, you created the environment to be wise. Next one, uh, Proverbs 16 and verse 20. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Here's what I can tell you. Wisdom always leads you to God. It always leads you to God. We know in the very beginning of Proverbs, it says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Real wisdom always draws you to God. So here's what I want to say to you. Wise people understand that their security comes from God. It's not their wisdom that secures them. It's that their wisdom leads them to God that secures them. And what I would say to young people is this. When you get wisdom, it's going to point you to God. Don't hold on to the sign. That's wisdom. Follow the directions of the sign. 
to God because it is God who creates security. Wisdom creates opportunity. God creates security. And never confuse opportunity for security. So here it is. If you're wise, then you're going to trust in God. And what I can say is the more you know, it doesn't make you independent. The more you know, it makes you more dependent. So a wise person, the more knowledge they have, the less they look to themselves, the more they look to God. See, if your wisdom is pointing you to you, then you don't have wisdom because real wisdom will always point you to God. And if your wisdom points others to you, that's not real wisdom because real wisdom doesn't point others to you. It points others to God. I like to put it this way. All I am is a sign on the side of the road saying this way. Nobody gets out and has their picture taken with the sign because the sign just points and the wisdom of God points you to God. And in your life, when you have wisdom, it leads others to God. So when it comes to life, you just understand you don't know everything you need to know. Once you learn it, you have to live it. Life's a classroom. Learn everywhere and from everyone. Smart people are generous and wisdom will lead you to God. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 says this, the righteous man walks in his integrity. What I would say to a young leader is this, the most important victories you ever learn are on the inside. They're not on the outside. See, outside victories are the kind of things that other people celebrate with us. Inside victories are the victories God celebrates with us. Because the biggest battle that ever happens in a leader is on the inside, not on the outside. See, integrity is private before it's public. It's inside before it's outside. It's little things before they become big things. The biggest battles you will ever face are on the inside. No one sees them. They don't see that those battles are going on. No one knows them. They don't get that those battles are going on. But those are the battles that if you're not careful, if you lose them, everyone will know. And that's why we look at some leaders and we said, how could this happen to them? They had their act together. No one could see on the inside of them the battles. It says in here, the righteous man walks in integrity and his children are blessed after him. See, your integrity not only makes your life better, but it makes the lives of those that are near you better. So in business, when you have integrity, it makes your team better. It makes your company better. As an individual, when you have integrity, it makes your kids better. It makes those that you love better. Integrity pays off. It's not just one dimensional and one generational. Integrity always spills and it affects others. How do I know that? Because lack of integrity always affects others. When we see someone who lacks integrity, 
We can usually go and interview people near them, and what we find is they could feel it. Why a lack of integrity affects others the way integrity affects others. So to young leaders, the most important victories are on the inside, not on the outside. Proverbs 28 and verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always. I would say to a young leader, you need to figure out fear. You need to figure out fear. Oh, but God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. No, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But there are things that you have to figure out. And those things have to be respected. Let me illustrate it this way. When I first began in ministry, uh, there was a man that I respected highly. Pastored a great church. And um, this man was a friend of mine and This man was also a friend of another friend of mine who pastored a great church. Well, lo and behold, what's going to happen is this man is going to have an affair with this other friend of mine's wife. Now, these people weren't novices in the things of God. They knew biblical values. They knew biblical protocols. They knew biblical standards, but they're going to struggle. They're going to get into trouble. I remember when it was all over and it became known. I looked at this guy and I said to him, I said, how did this happen? You know, how did this happen? He looked at me and he uttered these words. He said it happened because we didn't fear what sin could do to us. When he said that, that was a thought that I always said, I'll never forget it. When you lose your fear of sin, and when you lose your fear of God, you will do things you know you shouldn't do because a wise man has the right kind of fear. They have a fear for God, and they have a fear of sin. Now, I know that's deep, and I know that's a little bit challenging theologically, but when you study wisdom, what do we know? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. When we don't fear what sin can do in our life or what God can do for our lives, we get ourselves into trouble. And then in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, that word law is very, very important because what he's saying is is that Wise people understand that there are non-negotiables. There are things that cannot be up for negotiation. They're just the law. See, it doesn't matter whether I like the law, I agree with the law. If the law says the speed limit's such and I get pulled over, I can say, well, I don't feel like I'm under the law. It doesn't matter. I'm getting a ticket. I can say I don't like this law. It doesn't matter. I'm getting a ticket. I can say that this is an unreasonable law. It doesn't matter that I get a ticket. See, in every leader's lives, there aren't just principles that guide us, but there's laws that protect us. And see, laws are things that you don't debate. It's the law. Laws are things that you don't ignore. It's the law. Laws are things that you don't avoid. It's the law. 
And see, in life, there needs to be some non-negotiables. And I'll tell you what non-negotiables do. It frees you from stress. When you know in relationships that there are non-negotiables, you're not stressed because you just know, hey, that's not where I go. And in business protocols of handling money, when you know that there are laws, you're not stressed. You just know I don't go there. And so in your life, you've got to identify what are the non-negotiables that God has set. What are the things that you just don't go there? Eight verses. What would I say to a young leader? Realize that you don't know everything. You need to know, but you can find wisdom. The most important victories in life are inward, sort of opposite ends, but they secure you. Once you've learned a truth, live it. See, all of these just stand alone, but they stand together. So let me give them to you in sequence. Realize you don't know everything you need to know, but you can find it. Realize that once you've learned it, you're to live it. Realize that life is a classroom and you can learn from everyone and everything. Realize that the smartest people are generous. Realize that wisdom always leads you to God. And realize that the most important victories are inward, not outward. And realize that fear is a good thing if it's a fear of God and it's a fear of sin. And realize there are non-negotiables. There's just things you don't debate. You just don't go there. I think these are good things that David said to a young leader. I think they're good things that we can say to each other. Hey, thank you so much. I know this was a little longer lesson, but I just want to thank you for helping me uh, get the word out. And if you could ever post any of the um, podcast, it would mean the world to me. Uh, The lesson I did on fake faithfulness, that thing has created so much traction. And what I want to encourage you is if you know young leaders and they haven't listened to that one, why don't you take the link of that and just send it out. And you can get that easy by just going to my webpage and going to the podcast and copying it off that. Hey, love you guys. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.